This is episode number 107 with Dr. Stephen Cabral. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Our special guest today, Dr. Stephen Cabral, is a board-certified naturopathic doctor and founder of the Cabral Wellness Institute and StephenCabral.com. And this is his second time on the show. He was on episode number 59. And at age 17, Stephen was diagnosed with a life-altering illness and given no hope for recovery. Every day, he suffered endlessly for many years. It was only after Stephen travelled all over the world and discovered how to combine ancient Ayurveda healing practices with state-of-the-art naturopathic and functional medicine did he understand how to fully rebalance the body and re-energize it with life. Today, in Dr. Cabral's online and Boston practice, where he and his team have completed over 250,000 client appointments, he uses functional medicine lab testing and personalized wellness plans to help people rebalance their mind and body to recover from autoimmune, thyroid, fatigue, hormone, weight gain, digestive issues, mood, skin disorders, and a dozen of other hard-to-treat health conditions. Now, his mission is to help people understand that there is always a reason why you have not achieved your ideal wellness or weight loss goals and that you can and will get well again. And since he was last on the show, on episode number 59, he has launched his book, The Rain Barrel Effect, and it is epic. I highly recommend it to everyone. So please read it and get your family and your friends to read it. It is life changing and it has a very holistic view on health and happiness, which I love. And in today's episode, we chat about how after seeing 250,000 clients in his clinic, he shares the common nutrient deficiencies he sees with a vegan diet how to avoid these common nutrient deficiencies, how a vegan diet varies for the different vata, pitta and kapha body types, how to make sure that you are getting the all-important B vitamins on a vegan diet, the best vegan-based protein, the importance of saturated fats and the best sources for you, how to do raw vegan right so your body can really thrive, the pitfalls of a vegan and raw vegan diet, plus so much more. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 107. 
And before we dive into this epic conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this comes from Steph Lang. And she says, I've left a five-star rating, but if I could have left more stars, I would give you all the stars in the world. Your podcast is a breath of fresh air. Your teachings and the teachings of those you interview are magic. This is definitely a podcast every human should be listening to. Thank you for putting so much love, joy and happiness into everyone's lives. Steph. Thank you so much, beautiful Steph. I'm very grateful for your kind words and for your five-star review. And don't forget, if you want to be the review of the week next week, head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. And now let's dive into this epic conversation with one of my favorite humans, Dr. Stephen Cabral. Stephen, welcome back. I'm so excited to have you on the show again. And you know the first question. What did you have for breakfast this morning? My breakfast still has not changed many, many years later. So I wake up in the morning and right away I refresh my body with a nice warm, or I would say room temperature glass of spring water. In it, I put my daily fruit and vegetable blend, pinch of Himalayan pink salt, and a squeeze of lime. And Sometimes, not today, but sometimes I add a little bit of raw honey to that or manuka honey. Then I get ready for my day and I leave the house essentially with my daily nutritional support shake, which is just a vegan-based smoothie with kind of everything in it. I know we'll be chatting about that today, so I won't go into it. It has my fruit, has my greens, has everything in it. And also on the side, I typically do a little bit of oatmeal. Same exact thing this morning. Mmm, yum. Oh, delicious. That sounds so, so yummy. And like I said before, I'm so excited to have you back on the show. My tribe love you and they love soaking up all of your wisdom. And since we last spoke, you have launched your book, which I have devoured, and it's such a great resource. And we can link to it in the show notes so that anyone who wants to dive deeper after this conversation can get their hands on your book. But one of the things I love about you, one of the many things I love about you is that you always offer in your podcast, in your book, a very well-balanced view on health. You have a very holistic approach and you're not a one-way or the highway. And this is reflected in all of your work, in your one-on-one coaching, in your podcast, in your books. And this is one of the reasons why I was so drawn to you and your work in the first place. And today I want to talk to you about how to do a majority plant-based diet, or some people call it a vegan diet, right, without causing yourself harm. But first, I think it's really safe to say that we all need to eat more plants, don't we? We all need to make sure that, you know, 90% of our diet is plant-based because they just have so much vitamins and nutrients that our body needs. And what we do with that last 10% of our diet is up to us. And we're not here to kind of debate about that today. But today I want to make sure that we know how to support our bodies the best. So tell me first up, you have seen over 200,000 one-on-one clients in your clinic. So what are the common deficiencies that you see with a vegan or a majority plant-based diet? 
Yeah, so we literally we've we've now completed over a quarter million client appointments, and we're fortunate enough to have all those data. And believe it or not, we actually keep all of it. We have a storage unit right outside of Boston, Massachusetts, with just files of client data, and it's allowed us over the years to stop guessing at what will work best. And even like even though I read literally research every single day, probably about 20, 30 minutes a day, just going through research, what's new, what's exciting, what's happening, and I want to be in the know. Uh, but the truth is that since we have a quarter million person research study of our own going on, and we do so many lab tests, thousands a year, we actually get to see the nutritional deficiencies and how things play out in the real world. Because oftentimes when we're looking at research studies, they're based on surveys or they're they're based on what people believe happened over the last couple of months, or they might be 23-person, 50-person studies. So not that that data doesn't matter. It does. I, I do look at that. But what I like to say is, let's actually see how it plays out in the real world, not just necessarily in the lab. So I definitely sway towards more of the plant-based, uh, vegan-based diet. I work with people, whatever they may be, whether it's paleo, carnivore, vegan, pescatarian, you name it. And the reason is that my job, I never judge. I stopped judging, let's say, like, uh, let's say 10 years ago or so. Before that, it was all judgment all the time. This is good. This is bad. This is whatever. But the truth is that it's not my job to tell you how to eat necessarily, meaning like based on your beliefs. If you have a certain belief system, it's my job to help you become as balanced as possible and as healthy as possible. And I believe I can do that with almost any nutrition-based plan. But I do agree with you. 80%, 90% of that diet should be plant-based. What does that mean? Predominantly vegetables. Some root vegetables, which would be starches like sweet potatoes or yucca or yams. Uh, and then we have obviously our fruit. People like to debate fruit as well. But most people do much better with at least a cup or two of low glycemic berries per day. Why? Well, we know that they help to prevent cancer. We know that they're good for the immune system. We know that they kill viruses. So these are things that are, un- you can't debate them. Now you can debate them in the short term. Will they help with weight loss and not help with weight loss? Well, we're talking about health, right? So we can do things for weight loss but eventually we need to come back to health. So to answer your question, and I can be long-winded, so feel free to cut me off. Um, the big deficiencies I see in those people that come in that are vegan, uh, or even that have digestive issues, because we can go with both, are predominantly calcium. Number two would be iron, then zinc, then vitamin D, then B12, vitamin B12. And we'll talk about why later, I'm, I'm sure. And then omega-3s, all right? So those are the top ones, calcium, iron, zinc, vitamin D, B12, and omegas. That is what I see in my practice. Okay, right. Okay. So what can we do to avoid those deficiencies? So one of the best ways that we know to help people to absorb more nutrients as well is to make sure that their gut is in great functioning order. That means as you chew food and chew it up really well to mix it with your saliva, your salivary amylase uh, for an enzyme into your stomach, make sure your body, your stomach's producing enough hydrochloric acid to break down the proteins in plant-based foods as well. Then we want to release enough bile from the liver gallbladder area into the intestines and then make sure our bacteria in our gut is balanced. Because if it's not, doesn't matter. It really honestly does not matter how great your diet is if your digestion is weak. Because the truth is, if your digestion is off, your cells will never see that great nutrition. So we know now that B12, now it can be more deficient in vegans, but it can be deficient in almost anyone 
Because if you don't have enough stomach acid, you're not going to be able to break down that protein. And if you have issues with your gut bacteria, where your gut bacteria actually manufactures vitamin D12 and gets absorbed through the last part of your small intestine called your ileum, if that is imbalanced, if the microflora in your gut is imbalanced, you will not be able to absorb and break down that B12. So fix the gut. Either run an organic acids test, run a stool test, run a food sensitivity test. See what's going on, right? See if there's candida overgrowth. See if there's SIBO. See if there's parasites. See if there's H. pylori, which is robbing your stomach of its good digestion, why you feel bloated all the time, all of those things. And then from most people, most humans, they can cover their daily nutritional requirements with doing something like an all-in-one shake, like the daily nutritional support shake or whatever their favorite thing is. And that's simply a functional medicine multivitamin, an activated multivitamin with a methylcobalamin for the B12. And then I really believe this, and we'll talk about this more later, but I believe then if you've met your nutritional requirements, you don't have to be so anxious about food. There's so many people who are anxious about, am I getting enough? Am I not getting enough? Simply give yourself a little bit of a fail-safe and then enjoy your food. Food is meant to be enjoyed no matter what diet plan you follow. Wow. Okay. So if there's someone listening who suspects they may have a deficiency in iron or calcium or zinc or any of those things, it's not about going to your health food shop and just grabbing any old zinc or calcium. You really got to look at the root cause, which is the gut. So fixing the gut is imperative. It is the first place to start. And we've got to get the tests. We've got to get the data. And this is something that I love about you. And you know, Nick and I have been working with you for a while now. And I love that you're like, let's get the data. Let's get the data. Because otherwise you're flying blind and you really are just kind of taking a stab in the dark. And this is something that I really want to encourage everybody to do is to, to get the results so that you know what's going on for you. Absolutely. And a lot of people out there are guessing, should I use this supplement? And I, am I deficient in this? Do I have too much of this? I'll be honest, a simple functional medicine lab test that you can find a local bioregulatory medicine practitioner, a local functional medicine doctor, naturopathic doctor, they can run these labs with you. If you can't find someone, obviously I can ship you the lab. We can run it with you. We can be your partner in health. But my goal is not to say, you need to work with me or my team. My goal is to get you to take control of your health. And you can do that through a local practitioner. You can do that through listening to great podcasts, reading books. But the, the truth is this, that at some point, you need to figure out what works best for your body. And the way that you do that is to figure out what your deficiencies are. What do you have too little of? Is it too little calcium? Is it too little B12? Is that why you have brain fog? Is that why you have fatigue and inflammation? So you figure that out and then you figure out what are my toxicities? You know, am I dealing with pesticide overload? Am I dealing with mercury overload or cadmium? And that, is that why I have low thyroid? Once you figure that out, you can go about healing your body and that's what it's all about. Mm. And for everyone listening, I get asked a lot because I live in Sydney, Australia. People say to me, do I know anyone in Sydney? I, we, I need to see a functional medicine doctor in Sydney. And no, I work with Stephen and he's in Boston. and. People forget that we have this thing called Skype and we can do these amazing sessions on Skype, which is how I do them with Steven. So, you know, he sent me out all of the tests. I did them in my home. They get sent back. He reads the results and we have a session over Skype. And so everyone listening, no, I, I don't have anyone to recommend in Sydney. I don't know. I don't know anyone. I'm sorry, but I get asked this all the time. So I am currently working with Stephen and it's just, it's so easy. It's so easy. And, and I know you see people from all over the world, don't you? 
I do. Literally, um, I've had translators in the Middle East. We've had three people on the call. Uh, I've worked with people in South America, Iceland. Uh, obviously, we work with a lot of people in Europe, and um, you know, and that's the thing. And so, so like, that, take advantage of the internet, right? Like, I I had to travel overseas a lot of time to work with uh, mentors a decade ago or more. But now it's just it makes it so easy. I truly believe that online coaching for all the coaches that you work with as well. This is the future. It's now. You get to work with anyone you want, whether it's a teacher, philosopher, guru, health practitioner. By seeking them out, and I'm guaranteeing, you know, they have a way to be able to do some type of online consulting with you. It's mm, pretty awesome. So let's talk about the different body types: the Vada, Pitta, and Kapha. And for a vegan, how that would differ for each type? Because obviously, a Vada is going to need more carbohydrates than, say, a Kapha. So can you talk us through how a vegan plate could look? for the different body types to make sure that they're getting all the nutrients they need plus catering for their specific body type. What we do in our practice and I actually lay this out, you know, in my my new book which just states that every meal and and every I should say for lunch and dinner that you want to come up with a meal plan template. So now we're all humans but our macro needs do change. So I want to explain that. So macronutrients are your carbohydrates and they're your proteins, and they're your fats, right? So we all need those as humans. I know that keto is very popular right now, and I know sometimes it's low carb, and sometimes it's high fat, and sometimes it's high protein. But the truth is that when we start to go too low in any one, it can work in the short term, but it never works in the long term. So if we think about a healthy plate, on it, we're going to have vegetables. I start out with predominantly 50% of the plate vegetables. For some people, as we'll chat about, it might be larger. But 50% vegetables on a plate is a good place to start. It's about two cups of vegetables or so. And for the vata body type, the vata body type, which is characterized by the dryness, by the coldness, by the air, by the ether, they do much better, much, much better with cooked vegetables. So when people say that you should be on a raw diet, you should be on this diet, you should be on that diet. I always ask, well, for who? Who are we talking about? Is it the pitta that does great with more of the raw-based vegetables? Or is it the vata? Of course, we're talking about being balanced, right? That cooked vegetables are warming, they're nourishing for them, they're comforting, and it doesn't take a lot of energy to break them down when the vata is always in fight or flight, always a little bit anxious, always a little bit kind of moving. So that's a great place to start. The next part we look at is the starches, okay? So starches, if you are paleo, you're going to stick with more of your yams and squashes and yucca. Uh, all of those are great, your root-based vegetables. So now think of it this way, uh, or if you want, if you're not following that, you might do some quinoa or you might do some rice or oats or, or something like that, okay? You can still do gluten-free, which I'm, a, I'm an advocate of. So what you're looking at this though is the vata type could actually do more starch then the kapha type, right? Which the kapha type is more of the endomorph. The issue is that the vata body type does not get the same blood sugar spike and that their bodies run better off of glucose. Whereas the kapha-based type, their body's going to store more of those sugars from the starches, turn it into body fat, and burn fat as their preferred fuel source, which is why they do better on a lower starch diet, specifically in the evening or not around exercise. Can they still do starches or can they still do fruit? Absolutely. They just do better on more vegetables, lower glycemic foods. And then we have the protein section. Now, the protein section is where it differs greatly for people, meaning that the vata type needs easy to digest proteins. So if you're doing a vegan-based protein, whether it's bean or lentil, it is better if it's sprouted, if it's soaked, 
or even if it's blended, if you make black bean soup so much easier to digest than black beans themselves. Also, uh, split mung bean or mung dal is great. That can be great for the vata type, like a kitchery dish with some rice and some ghee and some, uh, or we wouldn't use ghee for vegan based, uh, but you can use olive oil. That would work great as well. Moderate protein for the kapha. They're already an anabolic body type. They already put on enough mass. And the pitta type, which has very strong digestion. And in order to satiate their pitta, they do need more protein. Okay. So, uh, more of the beans, more of the hemp hearts works great for them. The last macro as we're looking at would be fat. And fat would be less for the kapha. We don't want to spike blood sugar and and then draw in more fat. Uh, And not as heavy for the vata, the pitta can work just fine. So that's typically how we set it up based on the doshas. Mm, okay, it's it's so amazing. I just love all this so much. It's very interesting because sometimes, because Nick is Vata, for those that have listened to our first episode that you and I did, Nick is Vata and I'm more Pitta. I sometimes can almost compare myself to Nick because he doesn't eat as much protein as I do. Like sometimes I'll not eat as much as him, like I'll eat the same as him and almost accidentally because it's just like, um, you know, he'll serve up the meals or I'll serve up the meals and I just do what he's got on his plate. And then I wonder why I'm not satiated, like I'm still like not satisfied. And it's because me as a pitter, I require a bit more protein than he does where he'll have a tiny amount compared to mine, almost half of mind and he's so satisfied. So it's just so amazing how we're all so unique and so different. And it's really important that we don't compare ourselves to anyone else and that we do what is right for us. And this is why I love your work so much. I completely agree. All all of the you know, this is the only diet to follow. Uh, if you're not doing this, you're doing it wrong. You know, that type of, of thinking, I think, holds back our industry in general. Because if we're all looking at it as nutritionists and health practitioners and doctors, and we're all out to just help people, I mean, hopefully we don't have an agenda like this, the way has to be the right way, um, then it should be understanding that, hey, look, these two people don't even look the same. Like, why should their dietary requirements be exactly the same? When we can start to be a little bit gentler in our approach and appreciation for all humans and the body shapes and everything that comes along with it, I think we're going to move faster, like much, much faster in terms of healing people. Mm, Absolutely. And we spoke about this before, one of the common nutrient deficiencies, which is B12, the B vitamins, and they're just so important, so important. So how can we make sure that besides healing the gut, like what can we do to make sure that anyone who is a vegan or a predominantly plant-based diet gets their B vitamins? Yeah, I'd love to be able to go through this with you because B vitamins are one of the massive deficiencies that comes about in a predominantly plant-based or or vegan-based diet. And I wish it wasn't the case, but one of the issues is that it does not show up right away. It can take weeks and months or sometimes even a year, and then the body's really depleted its stores. It doesn't have enough buffers to stress. Then the body becomes a little bit more fatigued, a little bit more irritable, a little bit more groggy in the morning. So what I'd love to do is share with you all of the different B vitamins and how you can get them from plant-based foods, from vegan-based foods, so that you don't have to compromise your values and beliefs in order to get your B vitamins. So the first and foremost we have to understand is that you have to get your gut in good functioning order. You just have to. Because if you don't, then you have to rely on nutritional supplements in their their end result. Meaning like if you're using a functional medicine, activated B vitamin, it's in its end form that your body can use. 
But why, why do we have to rely then on supplements the whole time? Let's get our gut functioning well. Let's build up our good um, digestive enzyme store, our hydrochloric acid or bile, and our good gut flora so that we can break down these foods. So for example, vitamin B1, thiamine, you get it predominantly from beans and from oats. Now, I want to share this with you because they're all a little different. And as you're listening, I want you to understand that this is why you can't eat the same foods every day especially as a vegan, because we all of our fallback to our favorite foods. But if you don't eat a wide variety of foods, you're going to be missing out. So B1, beans and oats. B2, which is riboflavin, is spinach, soy, and spelt. I call it my three S's, spinach, soy, and, and spelt. One of those things is that I'm, I'm not a huge advocate of taking in lots of soy. All right, It's fine for most people. Some fermented or some um, sprouted organic tofu. Of course, we want non-GMO since 93% of all soy is GMO-based. And I don't think that we want to be overdoing it. I think we want to do it as they do in Asian cultures where it's a garnish to the meal a couple times a week. Not necessarily daily, but spinach, soy, and spelt for B2. B3, which is niacin. It comes in essentially three forms. It's nicotinic acid, niacinamide, and inositol hexonicotinate. And really, that's a hard one to get. But remember, niacin is used for um, modulating cholesterol, it's used for energy, it's used for blood sugar, it's used for the brain. And really, we only find it predominantly in green peas. So green peas is something to think about getting into the diet if you're following a vegan-based diet to get enough niacin. B5, pentothenic acid, it's found in uh, avocado, tomatoes, squash, corn, cruciferous vegetables such as broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, uh, found in turnip greens, lentils, and sweet potatoes. Vitamin B6 is uh, paradoxin, and, and in um, vitamin form, it's typically paradoxal 5-phosphate. It's found in bananas, cruciferous vegetables again, spinach, garlic, cabbage, asparagus, and red bell peppers. Biotin, uh, also called B7, which we know is good for the hair, skin, and nails, is found on raspberries, artichokes, cauliflower, avocado, Swiss chard, and then uh, folate. We have two more. Folate, which is vitamin B9, is found in lentils, black beans, pinto beans, spinach, chickpeas, beets, asparagus, romaine, turnip greens, and papaya, another one of my favorite. And then B12, the all-important B12. This is where it gets really interesting. There is no good vegan-based source of B12. You could say, well, brewer's yeast or nutritional yeast, but really those are supplements. You, you, those are supplements. That's not really a food. Yeast is... I wouldn't say that that's a food at all. And, but I want to remind people, this is very important. I looked into the research on this and I said, how could the human body really survive then if it had to eat just all of these things? Well, believe it or not, through my research, I found that not only can our body produce some of its own B12 through its own gut bacteria, but when we eat food that has not been washed and contains the dirt, the soil, there is actually B12 in the soil, in, in the good bacteria from the soil. The problem is we use so many pesticides, it's destroyed it. When I found that out a couple of years ago, I have a garden in Maine that obviously I don't use any pesticides, it's all natural. I actually started to eat some of the vegetables without washing them to see if I could get some of those good probiotics and good bacteria. Now, I'm not necessarily recommending this to you because if you don't know where your veggies are, I have a raised uh, vegetable garden, so there's no animals that can get at it, nothing like that. Uh, it can be an interesting way to get a vegan-based source of B12, but for the most part, most vegans should be using an all-in-one shake or an activated B vitamin to get their nutrient requirements. Okay. Wow. That was just, I was taking notes for myself. I was like, right. Okay. This is how I can get this B. So that was just so great. Thank you so much for that. Now let's move on to protein. Where can we get our protein on more of a vegan based diet? 
It's a great question. And one of the things that I was, I did a, a little book tour a couple weeks ago. And I did something like 11 interviews in like three and a half days or four days. And one of the big things I talked about was that I, for one, about let's say 12, 15 years ago, fell for the whole protein myth. And the protein myth is that we need to get you know X amount per day, meaning like our body weight in protein. And back then I was trying to do more natural bodybuilding and I was getting like 300 grams of protein. My body was so run down, so toxic from eating that much protein. It just wasn't healthy for me. Looked into the research, spoke with some great colleagues of mine. Um, and what it turns out is that this has always been, it's been there for decades. But the truth is that we need about 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. Now, that's not always the easiest math to do. Think of it this way. Think of your ideal body weight. If it's 160 pounds, you need about 80 grams of protein per day, a little less. A little less would be 0.8 grams, right? So the average human walking around needs somewhere around 45, 50, 60 grams of protein a day. You can easily do that over three meals. It's only 15 to 20 grams of protein per meal with a vegan-based or plant-based diet. That's it. So like literally, if, you, if I can share my nutrition plan with you, I do my daily nutritional support powder in the morning, which comes from pea and rice-based protein. It's 15 grams. I, I put my fruit and veggies in there. That's certainly not a lot of protein. But I have some oatmeal on the, on the side that adds another five to seven grams. Again, not everyone's going to do oatmeal because they, they, might, they might be a cough or endomorphic body type and they need to keep their uh, starches or grains a little bit lower. And I, I totally respect that. I understand that. But for me, that's 22 grams of protein. 20, 22 grams. Easy. For lunch, I do a vegan-based lunch. It's part of my the, the detox that I do. And what I do is I do a mountain of cruciferous vegetables. Like literally, I do broccoli and I do cauliflower. And these are things that I used to never like, but now I add them and I, I learn to love them. Like I love them. I put olive oil on it and some sea salt. Tastes great. I do a sweet potato or maybe some rice and or rice. And I do hemp hearts and I do three big tablespoons of hemp hearts. One of my favorite vegan-based proteins, if not my favorite, probably is my favorite. And that right there, three tablespoons of hemp hearts is 15 grams of protein. I get another five to 10 with my sweet potatoes and my other stuff in there. So I'm looking at 20, 25 grams right there. And then dinner is going to be a squash or rice or... And then I add veggies like spinach. And, and then that is either my meal. Um, again, I'm 90% vegan. Uh, again, uh, there's a lot of people who'll be upset at me because I'm not 100%. I understand that. I've been vegan for many years. Uh, when I was overseas, I was vegan the whole time. What I've found for my body is, is, is it doesn't work perfect for me. Uh, and so again, that's my thing. That's what I do. And I just try to be as respectful and sustainable and all those things as I can. And again, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Maybe that changes in the future. For dinner, um, it's either a vegan-based protein uh, or I'm doing some fish-based uh, protein as well. And then on the, on the weekend, I do uh, a couple eggs. So right there, again, that's another 15 to 20, 25 grams of protein at night. And that right, if you look at it, that is 15 to 20 at each meal. That's about 60 grams of protein. If I do a mid-afternoon snack, it might just be a fresh-pressed juice or it might be another smoothie. Uh, then I might get a little extra based on kind of energy requirements and exercise that I do that day. So that's a very simple meal plan that most people can follow to meet their macros and get all the protein they need from a plant-based diet. Thank you so much for sharing that. Let's talk about saturated fats for hormones and brain function because I have witnessed many vegans really kind of cut this out. And not only have they lost their period, but they've kind of turned angry. Like 
you know, really unhappy and irritable. So can we talk about saturated fats and, and why they're so important for a vegan diet and how they can get them in some forms that they can get them in? Yeah, absolutely. So this is one of those areas where if you're suffering from any of the irritability, the mood base, the PCOS, uh, estrogen dominance, uh, or you're a guy and you're suffering, or, or women both suffering from low libido, low ambition, low drive, any one of those things, then yes, let's run some blood work to look at your overall cholesterol-based numbers. But we can also run what's called a thyroid hormone adrenal panel to look at what's going on because sometimes you know the adrenals is called the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis or the hypothalamus pituitary thyroid axis are actually affecting your cholesterol because believe it or not, low thyroid increases uh, cholesterol. And that's because 80% of all your cholesterol, this is important, 80% of all your cholesterol is produced endogenously, which means in your body by your liver. 20% is affected by the foods that we eat. And about 26% of the population due to genetic-based, this is called a specific allele, it's an APOE genotype allele. Um, Those people don't do well at breaking down saturated fat. So it's always, I'm asking, okay, what is this person? Do they need saturated fats? Do they need more saturated fats? Like, what is the issue? And if I see someone walk in with cholesterol below 160, well, then, and I see them with the low libido and I see them low testosterone, low DHEA, low all hormones, and I know that cholesterol is the precursor to all hormones in the body, I say, okay, let's raise some saturated fats in the diet coming from healthier sources. Okay, so I want to put a little caveat there because my favorite fats are monounsaturated fats because they're great for the brain, the nervous system. They're anti-inflammatory. They don't oxidize like the polyunsaturated fats that we'll talk about in a moment. And they help to kill cancer cells. Okay, Olive and olive oil, olives and olive oil, help to actually break down the liposomal layer of cancerous-based tumors. Can't recommend olives and olive oil. Of course, organic, cold-pressed olive oil in a nice dark bottle, single source. Enough. But but you can get your healthy saturated fats from some coconut oil, works for some people, doesn't work for others, macadamia nuts, cashew nuts, walnuts. Um, you're going to get it from pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds, two of my favorite. Uh, by far, pumpkin seeds are so great for women and also great for men. Why? Well, they're going to help to increase iron levels naturally, but also they're going to be great for the prostate, great as an anti-inflammatory big fan of pumpkin seeds and Brazil nuts. That's another great way. Hazelnuts, pistachio nuts, um, and again, the flax seeds, chia seeds. All of those will though, they'll contain a little bit of what's called polyunsaturated fats. So ideally, we don't cook with them. They're eaten in their raw-based version. Um, And just one little tidbit, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of these because I hadn't really. I haven't had them yet, but I am looking forward to trying them. The highest saturated nut out there is something called a peely nut from the Philippines. Melissa, have you ever tried those before or heard of them? Never heard of it. What, how do you say it? Peely? Peely, and it's, and it's spelled P-I-L-I-N-U-T-S. Peely nuts. Oh, I'm going to be Googling that after. I wonder what it looks like. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I can't wait to try them out. They're certainly nowhere around where I am, but I'm going to order them. Uh, I've tried the brunettes and a few other new ones that I haven't had before, but looking forward to trying those. Awesome. So there are so many ways that we can get these monosaturated fats in our diet. So thank you for mentioning all of that because it's really important because I know for me, I've done the raw vegan thing and I lost my period. Not only that, I lost my libido. I was irritable. So 
I think it's really important that this is something to consider if you are going vegan or more of a plant-based diet. But let's talk a little bit about raw vegan and how we can do that right so that we're not creating a disaster for our body. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that anyone who chooses to be strictly vegan 100% and doing it for all the right reasons for, you know, the ethical treatment of animals and and everything that goes along with it because, you know, veganism as we know, we're really not looking at it as just a diet. We're looking at it as an overall lifestyle. So what we want to do is we want to just make sure that our bodies stay healthy and that they stay strong and so that we can live the best life that we can. If we're talking about going raw vegan and and are we talking about going raw vegan or just uh, vegan, Melissa? Well, I wanted to touch on raw vegan first. So raw vegan is very, very similar to, to vegan. And it's the same type of thing, except that we're not cooking our foods uh, for the most part, or at least we're not heating them above 118 degrees. So you can there's, there's obviously different variations of what we want to consider raw veganism. And we don't need to even debate that. But let's just say the food is left intact and it has all of its enzymes. And in order to do that, you need to keep it below 118 degrees. Uh, before we start to break down those enzymes. Okay, so to do that, the very first thing is basically three things. I teach everyone in my practice who goes and who's raw vegan is that you have to have three things working for you. First one is your gut function and energy have to be solid because if your gut is not functioning correctly and you don't have enough energy, you're not going to have enough energy to divert that to be used for extra energy for digestion and you're going to become bloated and exhausted. So if you go on a raw vegan diet and you're bloated, and you're tired, and you have brain fog, it's not necessarily that those foods may be bad for you. It's that your body literally doesn't have the digestive juices to break down those foods, and you don't have the energy to be able to absorb all of those nutrients. So that's number one. Number two is that ideally, if you're going to be a raw vegan, you are not a Vata body type. Uh, it, it can be very detrimental for the Vata body type, uh, Very uh, much, much better for the Pitta or the Pitta Kapha, you know, a lot of people who, who benefit greatly and do well on a, a vegan-based diet are more of the kapha body type, the endomorphic body type. Because remember, a vegan-based diet is more of a plant-based, catabolic-based diet, a very detoxifying diet. It's not really an anabolic diet. An anabolic diet or anabolic foods would be more of the meats and the dairy and the eggs and those types of things. And again, I'm not saying you need to do those. But you should focus on more of the anabolic plant-based foods, which would be like the oatmeal and some of the starches and the lentils and those types of things. So you can always make it work. Sometimes it's just going to be a little bit more of a challenge. That's all. And then the, um, the third one is ideally, ideally you're living in a warm or hot climate. And the truth is this, is that we humans probably all originated from some warm climate where we could easily eat a lot more raw foods. Our bodies were hot, they were sweating, and they would love to have had those cooling raw-based foods. Now, if you're like where I am and in, in New England and in Boston, where for six months, seven months of the year, it's cold and it's raw, I, I would prefer, and most people would prefer, prefer more warming, comfort-based foods. That's normal. Why? Because our body is always trying to create equilibrium. It's always trying to create homeostasis. If I put cold foods in my body, my body is going to like constrict in itself. And if I put warm foods, or it's going to expand, and if I put warm foods in, my body is going to be more comforted. It's going to add more heat to it, and it's going to balance the cold environment. So again, we can we always make these work? Not necessarily, but we can always do our best to stay balanced 
hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, that's great. So what are some other pitfalls of a raw vegan diet that maybe we haven't touched on? Really more of the same of a a typical vegan-based diet. In the beginning, most people going on a vegan-based diet feel really great. A, A lot of people, okay? But after a while, our body uses up a lot of its reserves. And it can't buffer everyday stress in the same way. So our body very specifically goes through our B vitamins, which we spoke about, vitamin C, glutamine, all the things that our body uses to buffer stress. Well, after a while, if we're not getting them as much through our diet because we're not as conscious of the different proteins and foods and veggies and all the things that we're eating, we're just not able to absorb them as well, break them down because plant foods are sometimes more challenging to break down. You do have to make sure you chew them well and that you have a good digestive system. Using a good daily digestive enzyme can help. You know, Things can help with that. Ginger tea can help. Bitters can help. All of those things is that the body starts to become more deficient. The brain fog, the fatigue, the low ambition, the low libido, the low drive, uh, a little bit groggy waking up, more irritable, lower mood, all of that starts to set in. And then at some point, sometimes people just just being told, well, you're having a Herxheimer-based reaction. Trust me. If you're having a Herxheimer-based reaction, it would have happened within the first week. It would have happened within days of you going on a vegan-based diet. If you're feeling that way six months later, a year later, it could be because you were becoming severely functional deficient, not just on blood work. Again, run a hair tissue mineral analysis for your minerals, run an organic acids test for your vitamins. It will show you if you're deficient or not, because maybe you're not. And stress plays a role in breaking these things down. Remember, your blood work is not going to show you until you get a disease. We want to catch it at a subclinical level as you're becoming more deficient. That is extremely, extremely important because um, I just I, I want to make sure that people really do take care of themselves. And I know that they can do it from a healthy way. One more thing I want to add is this, is that there's a little bit of a difference with the pitfall of a raw vegan diet. And I'd be remiss if I didn't add this, is that just like undercooked meats, non-cooked vegetables sometimes or non-cooked foods, keeping in mind, you can get parasites or worms or infection from some raw foods as well. Now, of course, do I eat raw foods? Yes. And you know, should people be, be able to get them? Yes. But a lot of times at salad bars, there are parasites, there are undercooked foods. Now, how do we combat that? How do we combat it? Well, we combat it with having enough hydrochloric acid in the stomach. Enough stomach acid will kill the parasites and the worms and the bacteria that are going into the stomach. So again, that's why it always goes back to the strength of the gut, the strength of digestion. So hopefully that was helpful. Mm, yeah, it all comes back to the gut. The gut is so important. It's our second brain. It's so important. I know with a lot of the stuff that came back in my results, and, and you can vouch for this, a lot of it was a result of the gut dysbiosis, the, the imbalance in my gut. And I know that when that smooths out, that a lot of the other things will smooth out as well. No doubt about it. I mean, you're absolutely correct because all of us are on this journey trying to eat better, live better, all of those things. But if our body is not absorbing those nutrients, and as you said, our second brain is imbalanced and it's sending signals to the brain, we read them as anxiety. We read them as the lowered mood, the irritability, because we're getting the signal from our gut that something's wrong, but it's not telling us that we have the candida overgrowth from using antibiotics in the past. It's not telling us about the SIBO, you know, the small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, the gut-based dysbiosis from taking things like Advil or Splenda, sucralose, 
from drinking tap water, which contains chlorine and fluoride and wipes out a lot of that good bacteria, from using birth control if you're a female. All of these things can imbalance the gut. And then what happens is we're not able to absorb all the minerals, all of the vitamins. We're not even able to make the same amount level of serotonin. So if you're on an antidepressant and you haven't looked at your gut, it could be because you do not have the proper amount of bacteria to actually take tryptophan to use B6 to convert it to serotonin or 5-hydroxytryptophan to turn it to serotonin to then make your body happy, right? So again, it does come back to the gut. If that is not an issue, then you can look elsewhere, but always look at the gut first. And a majority of people do have some gut imbalance, don't they? Just, just due to you know the environment and antibiotics, like you said, and the pill. Have you ever had anyone come into your clinic and they're like, got squeaky clean guts of steel? It's not that it's squeaky clean, but we do find some people, probably because of just great, you know, genetics and, and, you know, not a lot of the, like I did, drank Kool Aid and took antibiotics all the time growing up. But so they, they had a good, you know, innate humoral based bacterial um, balance. But what can happen for them and some people, it's actually stress that causes the weak digestion. So the food stays in the belly longer and then starts to ferment and causes the bloating, the gas, the acid reflux. But you're right. Most people, it may not be pervasive, but there is some level of yeast overgrowth. There is some level of bacterial overgrowth. And when they fix that, literally, life becomes so much better because now they absorb more of the whole food. So what we do is, yes, we use nutritional supplements in the beginning, somewhere around the first 12 to 16 weeks. But that's to replace the deficiencies. After that, we start to wean off the nutritional supplements, except for something maybe like, you know, what I do is the Dr. Ball Daily Protocol, which is just my functional medicine, minerals and vitamins and that daily nutritional support, the 22 organic fruits and vegetables and the daily fruit and vegetable blend, and a good daily probiotic. But then after that, you may not need the additional B vitamins or the additional um, full spectrum magnesium or omega-3s or all those things. You hope that once you get your gut in good functioning order and you've sealed up that gut wall, now you're not having the protein exposure to your blood. You don't have all the autoimmune-based issues. And you're able now to allow your digestion to take over, get the predominant uh, amount of nutrients that your body needs from your food, and not have to rely on all the nutritional supplements. That's how I do it. That's what I practice. That's what I've seen work over the past you know, 250,000 uh, client appointments. Mm, wow. Wow. That's just amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's been so insightful and I would love to turn the spotlight on you a little bit more now. And I want to know, what do you attribute your success with all of your clients to? Like, what do you think it is? If there's just one thing, like, what do you think it is? Yeah. And it is funny because I've, I've gotten asked that question a couple of times, meaning that why would I go to see you when I've already seen a dozen other specialists and 20 other people or whatever it might be. And I always let people know that you don't need to see me. But what you have to understand is that there are certain foundational principles that need to be fixed in order to heal the body. And that is that the body becomes imbalanced for two main reasons. We have deficiencies and we have toxicities. So this is called bioregulatory medicine, essentially. When you are deficient in certain amino acids... B vitamins or vitamins in general, antioxidants, fatty acids, the body no longer can buffer the viruses, the bacteria, the stress, all of these things going on. So we start to see our first symptoms of dis-ease. And then the toxicities are the 77,000 plus man-made chemicals in the environment. 
they're the the glyphosate that's sprayed on vegetables, right? Or fruit, right? So now we're trying to be in a vegan-based diet or plant-based diet, and we're swallowing bug spray that affects our nervous system, our brain, our hormones. Or we're drinking tap water because we say, okay, well, it's filtered, right? Well, does it still contain the fluoride, which can calcify certain parts of our brain and actually wipe out a lot of good gut bacteria and lower thyroid? I mean, that's clinically proven. Or do we drink the chlorine, which wipes out a lot of good bacteria? Like all of those things. So what I look for is removing the toxicities. We use the Dr. Ball detox, but you're welcome to do a functional medicine detox that you feel is appropriate. You need to, as I say, empty that rain barrel so that you can start to replace all those good, all, all the deficiencies that you may have. As you do that, remember, as a naturopath, I do not heal anyone. What I do is I put your body in position to heal itself. I remove, I give you the, I give your body the raw material it needs to detoxify. That's the, all of the sulfur based amino acids and the B vitamins and the, the zinc and the selenium and anything that you might be short on. And then what I do from there is I, re, I replace those deficiencies. Your body then has everything it needs in its own innate wisdom to heal itself. So that is essentially how we rebalance the body. And then in our practice, we tell people that there are eight modalities to heal. And so someone comes to me and they said, well, I'm taking a statin and I want to get rid of my high cholesterol. What's the supplement you would recommend for me? And I let them know. I said, I understand that that is what a lot of times people think about natural medicine. But a natural medicine is not replacing a supplement for a pharmaceutical. So I have something called a de-stress protocol. That's the last half of my book. The first half of the book is how we got here. How do we get sick or how do we just get run down? How do, why do we feel like blah? And the second half is how do we heal? And it's eight different parts. And only one part is supplements. Seven other parts deal with healing the body, the diet, the exercise, the rest, the detoxification, the emotional aspects that we never talk about, and the success mindset. So what I tell people is that healing is easy, right? Healing is easy as long as you understand you have to do everything at once. That's the thing. You can't cherry pick niacin for high cholesterol. You can't. You can't do that. You need to look at the stress. You need to look at the thyroid. All of those things go into it. But I'm telling you right now is that it doesn't have to happen tomorrow. It doesn't have to happen tomorrow. Once you know that your body can and will heal, you'll give yourself the 12 to 16 weeks in order for your body to get rebalanced. This is why I love you and your work because it's so holistic. It's not just about come to me and I'll give you some supplements. It's like, no, we're going to look at the eight areas of your life and we're going to make sure that they're all humming along really beautifully. So thank goodness there are people out there like you who are blazing this trail and taking a holistic approach to healing the body. And you're right, given half the chance your body can heal. If we create the right environment for it to thrive, it will thrive. But so many people are just overloaded with toxins and perfumes and pesticides and environmental toxins. But if we create the perfect environment for our body, it has its own innate wisdom and it will really heal and thrive. And that's what I love about you and your message. It's just so powerful. I really appreciate that. And, and that's, that's really what it's all about. And the only reason that I know any of this is because I've been taught it from many, many great mentors and masters all over the world. It was my job 
just to put it together in one system of medicine that allowed me to heal my body and and work with my own family and friends and now try to pass it on to the greater community. Because remember, if someone like myself with Addison's disease and autoimmune issues, type 2 diabetes, POTS, myelagic encephalomyelitis can heal their body, you can too. I mean, you really can. I've seen miraculous recoveries in people that I understand is no longer a miracle. It's no longer miraculous. It's not magic. It's simply giving the body, like you said, the half a chance to heal itself. We just can't keep you know, putting all these things in our body and not helping it out and, and expecting different results. So I actually believe that your message and what you do in your work, a lot of that's half the equation. We heal the person from an emotional and stress-based level so that the body isn't always as run down. And then we start to use the functional medicine and the Ayurvedic medicine to balance those deficiencies as well. That is how you go on to not only leave a good life, you know, to, to go on and have energy, but to lead then the life that you were meant to live that's full of passion and vitality. And you don't even get that until you get back your energy, until you're firing on all cylinders. I'm telling you right now, I never thought that this would be the life that I would live because I didn't think it was possible. And you won't even know your peak until you get there. I remember being at that place thinking, I'll never have the energy back. And and now I'm here and I bounce out of bed in the morning. And I think back to that time where I couldn't lift my head off the pillow. And I just am so grateful to be here now and to continue to look after my vehicle so that it can thrive. So thank you so much for all of that. I'd love to hear now, what is bringing you the most joy in your life right now? There are so many things, and and I actually am one to really live the Ayurvedic um, lifestyle, meaning that I also look at the seasons as time for change and almost like a periodization-based model. So right now in in Boston, as we're moving from mid-spring or so to hopefully uh, late spring and early summer, it's our nice warmer time of the year. This is a time where I tone down all of my speaking engagements and my travel, and I really focus on how can I spend... Uh, more of that quality time. I, we, my family loves to go to Maine with family, with my parents and my the extended, you know, my my cousins because our our family is kind of growing in terms of, um, you know, my, my I have a three and five year old now, and 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 they have all they have eight different cousins, and so for us, it's getting together and it's family and it's joining that time of the year, and and so then though, I then look into the next phase after that, I was looking to then, okay, well, then what's the fall bring in terms of maybe ramping back up, which my second love, my first love is my family. My second is my work, which is my mission. That's where I get my passion and fulfillment. So they're both, they, they make me whole. I only need those two things, but they both make me whole. If I only had my family, I wouldn't feel whole. And if I only had my work, I wouldn't feel whole. I need both because that's at the soul of who I am. So this fall, um, it's actually happening right now, is that I'm, I'm actually developing a certification for health coaches to be able to practice this type of natural healing. And I don't think that I've been this excited in quite some time. And that to me is really giving me like that next level of mission, fulfillment, joy, and engagement. So that's what I'm excited about right now. And uh, I appreciate you letting me to, you know, to, to share this message with others since this is deeply at the core of who I am and, and what I feel I need to be doing. Mm, thank you for that. And I'm so excited for that next project. How exciting. Can't wait to watch that unfold. It's going to be very cool. Okay. 
let's hear what are you working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment? I wonder if this has changed from what you last said to me in our previous episode. I don't even know what I talked about in my last episode or what I was trying to improve, but I always am. Like literally, I consider myself a work in progress all the time. You know, so I'm doing my on my podcast, you know, mindset and motivation Mondays, and I'm talking about wellness and I'm talking about all these different things. And I'm giving answers to people on the weekends on the house calls. But to be honest, I'm working on myself all the time as well. So don't ever think that when you're listening to anyone that they ever have it all figured out. Okay. So I am constantly a work in progress. So right now what I'm working on, and this is always, this is always is trying to be more present always with my wife and my two girls every time I leave work and get home. So I try to walk home and I leave work at work. And again, I love my work. Work can be stressful. Leave that at work and I am more conscious with them. And then in terms of my own just personal health, I love this time of the year because I ramp back up my own exercise and training. I get to go outside more and I love being in nature. So it will be hiking and it will be going out and swimming and it will be doing biking and starting to train for things that are called sprint triathlons. So they're not these long, exhausting races. They're basically these short races that allow me to be the competitive human that I am, but really enjoy me, uh, really allow me and force me to get outside and train, be outside, get out of work and just really be immerse myself in nature. And a lot of times that means quiet time for myself as well. I spend all my days with other people and I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But it's so nice for me to step back, get into the woods, go out into the pond and and be with myself and nature and start to kind of get into my own head and think about all of the things that I might be working on that I need might need to do as well. So those are two big things that I'm, I'm going to be working on this spring into summer. Mm, beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Now let's pretend you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school in the world. Since we last spoke, your book has come out, but let's pretend that's already in the curriculum. Do you have another book that you would choose? I can't remember what you said last time, but yeah, I'm curious to know if you have another book besides yours that you would recommend. It's funny because I don't know if I'm going to mention the same book. It would be amazing if I did because that means I really recommend it. Um, so I just finished a detox retreat weekend uh, last weekend with an amazing group of people literally who flew in from all over. We got to, to do that in the, the woods uh, about 45 minutes north of uh, Boston at this beautiful retreat center. Just us. It was, it was great. Um, where I got to teach a lot of these things. And I gave everyone a copy of one of these two books. It was The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. And it was a copy of The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy. Would make those required reading. I believe every person needs to read those two books. If they don't, they don't understand that it all starts with the subconscious programming we have inside of our mind for if we're going to get well, or if we're going to be able to maintain that for the long run. Because remember, it's our subconscious programming from when we were children that is allowing us to be wherever we're at today. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But we can always overcome that if we become aware of our most dominant thoughts. Yeah, you did mention the power of the subconscious mind last time as well. So guys, this is your second reminder to read that book. And we'll link to it in the show notes so that you can check it out. Can you tell us a little bit about your morning routine? I mean, you spoke about what you do nutritionally, but I'd love to hear what other 
things do you do? Do you meditate? Talk us through a little bit of your daily non-negotiable morning routine things that you do each day. Yes, my morning routine is a non-negotiable, literally. And that's um, because it allows me then to have peak energy for the day, but that also includes peak mindset. I need to make sure that my mind is right in order to then be able to serve everyone in my practice as well. And I need to be able to do my podcast with a lot of energy. I need to feel great. Like that's the bottom line because a lot of times I'm lifting people up from a spot that's a low point, right? So I need to be that person that has enough of that fuel to be able to give a little bit to them. All right. Because someone did it for me. I need to be able to then pay that forward and pass it on to them. So what I do is I make sure that I wake up one hour before the rest of my family. All right. That means that that's my time. That's my quiet time. And if I don't get that, I'm not as happy of a person. Because again, the rest of the day is not usually my day. But what I do is I wake up one hour before. I wake up, I mix my daily fruit and vegetable blend in eight ounces of room temperature water, pinch of sea salt, a squeeze of lime, and then I stir that up with just a spoon. I drink it down. I get, I get going for the day. So what happens with me is if I get right into the day, I get going for the day, I shave, I shower, I get ready. That then is setting the tone for the day. I'm ready. I'm getting my body ready. I am ready to start the day. No sitting down, no sluggishness. I'm waking that body up. After that, I make a smoothie in the morning with the daily nutritional support. Um, I use my, my probiotic. I actually have that with my greens in the morning, my daily probiotic support. And I'm making that smoothie and oatmeal for my daughters as well as myself and my wife. So now we all have a healthy breakfast. So we're all sharing in that. Um, when, when I'm doing that as well, I'm doing what I call my five exercises. I do this to prime my body. Okay. So I should step back a little bit. I do also do dry brushing before I get into the shower. And the dry brushing takes two minutes and it circulates all the lymphatic fluid in my body. And then uh, when I'm out of the shower getting ready, I don't do a workout that's going to cause me to sweat. I basically just do some moves, almost like an asana, asana from yoga. And, but it's, it's a little bit more uh, functional based. So I do it to make my body feel strong and I get that blood pumping. I do push ups, squats, chin ups lunges, and what's called like a V-pose to work on my core. I do those things. My blood is now moving. My endorphins are pumping. Natural dopamine and serotonin and norepinephrine are you know, they're just surging through my veins. And then I basically um, kiss my girls goodbye, head out the door, um, and that's it. And then typically on my walk to work, I'm listening to something motivating. That is my inspiration for the day. That's my what do they call it? Vitamin M. That's my motivation to start my day. And then that's it. That, that is my morning routine. That's my non-negotiable. I only have one more non-negotiable, and that is a 20 to 30 minute walk at lunchtime to calm my sympathetic nervous system, to breathe in, to calm my body before I eat some good food. And what about nighttime routine? Do you have like, do you have a specific time you switch off? Do you have any, you know, boundaries around the phone and the internet? Like, what's your nighttime routine look like? Yeah, absolutely. So I always try to get home in time to have dinner with my family. That was something that um, I actually didn't do for the, the first couple years of my uh, first daughter being born. But it was something that I always said that I need to be able to eventually create a, a work schedule. And of course, that's sometimes challenging when you're running your practice and you have a lot of things going on. But that was a non-negotiable eventually. And so now I'm home uh, with my family at least six out of seven nights, of course, when I'm not traveling speaking-wise and all that. So um, 
that is dinner around six o'clock. And then we get them uh, bathed and into bed about 7.30 at the latest. We try. And then um, and after that, really, it's my wife and I to finish up any last minute things that we need to do. You know, clean the house, get everything ready. We sit down on the couch. No more um, internet and phones. That's, that's our goal. Uh, we're not always perfect, but that's our goal. And then we essentially have an hour to 90 minutes of just my wife and I time. I find that so important and that a lot of couples don't do that enough. They're then on their email and on their computers. I've always told my wife that she is my number one. I know that your kids are supposed to be your number one, but my wife is my number one. She has to be. She's the person that I originally set up this relationship with, right? She is my non-negotiable. If I don't have her, I don't have my support system. I feel like there's a lot missing. I kind of figure like, what's the point? And also, she is the head of our household. She runs the show. And I need to make sure that we get our own time to connect together. Uh, I don't want to have a breakdown in our uh, relationship. So then after that, we get ready for bed together. Uh, we go to bed together. And I like to make that happen around 9.30. Sometimes it's 10, but we try to make it happen around 9.30 where we might read for a little bit in bed, uh, but no, no bright lights, no blue light. And that's it. Because I like to wake up at 5.30 a.m. So that's, that's how we do it. That's the nightly routine. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And I love what you said about your wife. It made me emotional. You know, it's really beautiful because especially being driven, entrepreneurial, type A, pitter, Aries, overachievers that you and I are. And I'm sure lots of people listening are also, you know, in that um, basket. You know, we can forget about our beloved and and forget not forget about them but forget to prioritize time with them and that's what my whole book open wide is about it's about if you want your relationships to thrive then you've got to give them love and intention and energy and that's the same as you know Nick and I we make time for each other every day whether that's first thing in the morning so sometimes we will set our alarm for half an hour before we actually have to get up so that we can have time laying in bed, talking, you know, whether we're making love or just connecting. And then we do the same thing at the end of the day as well. So once Leo has gone to bed, that's our time to sit on the couch, connect or get into bed, read, connect. It's so important for your health, for your happiness and for the health and happiness of your relationship. So I love that you said that. So thank you so much for bringing that up. I mean, that is it because it's a slippery slope. And if you don't um, start taking care of it now, the days go by, the weeks go by, and the months go by, and then it's more awkward and it's harder to get it back. But it's always worth it. And your book, Open Wide, literally is the blueprint for how to do that. So uh, I actually can't recommend that book enough and, and have recommended it quite a bit, um, obviously, on my podcast with interviewing you, but just in my practice as well. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. All right, let's do three little rapid fire questions now. And in your opinion, what is one thing that everyone can start to do today for their health? Just one thing that they could improve their health with. So one thing last time, I believe that I said that everyone should start their day with a smoothie. And I still believe that, but I don't want to give the same recommendation. The reason I recommend the smoothie is so that you get all of your nutrients for the day. And then you don't have to worry about, don't get so anxious about your eating for the rest of the day. So if you're doing that in the morning with your all-in-one powder, whatever you want to use, then great. That's done. 
My other recommendation, since I already gave that one, I'm, I'm sure that I gave that last time because that's always my number one, is to wake up before the rest of the world. And the reason is, if you can start your day, not from a point of high cortisol, trying to beat the traffic, trying to beat the alarm, rushing and racing, you're going to be so much more calm. And if you're more calm, then your body won't need as many buffers, it won't become as deficient, and you will have better relationships in all areas of your life. I cannot recommend enough waking up earlier. And again, you can do that by starting to go to bed 15 minutes earlier per night, per week. So every week, try to shoot for 15 minutes earlier till maybe you back it up one hour over the course of a month. That will then allow you to get up one hour earlier. I'm telling you right now, you will be so much healthier because humans, and I can't go through it all now, but there's a diurnal rhythm. And I do talk about that in my book. There is no such thing as a night owl. I explain all that. You have to be in bed as cortisol levels drop and you wake up as cortisol levels rise. When I did that in my own life, things changed. Energy started to come back. It was absolutely amazing. So that that's my one. I actually loved that in your book when you spoke about there is no such thing as a night owl. You really dove into it and why that is the case and the evidence. And I just love that. So if you are using that as an excuse or I get my best work done at night or I'm a night owl, you need to read The Rain Barrel Effect because I just was like, wow, this is so interesting. And I actually screenshot it and sent it to a couple of my friends who use that as their excuse. So yes, if that's you, get that book and dive into that section. It's really good. Thank you. All right. Next one. What is one of the most important things that we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life. My biggest tip on this would be to understand your non-negotiables. Understand what your core values are that will then allow you to work on the critical few things that then enable you to develop the career, the relationships, the spirituality, the health, and the body that you want. But you have to become aware first of what you want in order to then take the action to go and do those specific things. So a lot of times, it might be meditating. Sometimes it's going for a walk on the beach by yourself. But what it is, is it's always understanding what you don't want. That's a great place to start. What don't you want? And then instead of being so negative and focused on that, think about what is the opposite telling you? So I talk about this on on one of my shows. It's understanding that the nine toxic emotions, they're really telling you something of what you need as a non-negotiable. For example, if you're someone that's always angry, what are you angry at? Are you angry that you you know, went to school uh, for, I always talk about like accounting when you shouldn't have gone to school for health or nutrition? Well, that's telling you that one of your core things are that this isn't the right thing for you. You want to get into serving people through health. Well, great. It's not too late. Not too late. I work with people right now in their 60s going back and getting a, a health coaching certification or nutrition. You can do all of these things now. And so that's my that's my recommendation is become aware of what you truly want out of life and don't make it a million things. What are the things that are non-negotiable that if you were not to accomplish that thing by your last day in life that you would regret? Once you know what those are, then you can go after them. Awesome. And the last one is, what is one of the most important things that we can do for more love in our life? The number one way that you can get more love in your life is to be the bigger person and show more love. And I had the hardest time doing that. And I mean, I don't want to get too deep into it now, but when certain people have certain experiences in childhood, 
And maybe they didn't feel all that type of love themselves, or they didn't go through great relationships when they were in their teenage years or whatever it might be. Sometimes showing love uh, is not something that you're looking to do. And that's because it makes you very vulnerable. Or you're worried from an ego-based perspective that you may not get that love back. It may not be reciprocated. So my biggest thing is that no matter what, you need to take the chance. It's always worth it. It's always, always worth it. And that you have to be the bigger person when you get into an argument with your current partner that they are not going to be the first one to make the move to say, you know what? I don't know what just happened. I don't know how we even got here. I want to apologize for my role in this because I know that I did something to you that made you unhappy. But what I want to let you know is that I love you more than anything. How can we begin to repair this? And how can we make sure maybe that this doesn't happen in the future? If you do that, everything changes. It honestly does. And when you're saying that, even as I said that right there, I'm releasing so much emotional baggage. So much so that don't be surprised that you literally break down in tears and have no idea why that you are. Because it's happened to me many times. Because I held decades of repressed anger and bitterness and resentment and all of those things. So just be the person that shows more love. It won't always be reciprocated, but that's okay because you're going to feel good yourself doing it as well. Mm, So beautiful. Practice what I call the crystal clear communication. It goes a long way. So yeah, that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that and being so honest and vulnerable. And thank you for sharing everything. You are such a wealth of knowledge and I'm so grateful to have you in my life and to have you on the show again for the second time. I'm sure we'll probably do a lot more. So I'm just really grateful. And I love your book so much. But is there anything else you want to share that maybe I haven't asked you that you think is really important or any last parting words of wisdom? Well, my parting words of wisdom, and I always try to let people know this, is that no matter where you're at right now in life, no matter how bad it is, whether it is the wrong career, the wrong relationship, the health, the body, the spirituality that you don't believe that you have, someone else has been in your position right now. I can guarantee that. What you want to do is you want to seek out first, not how to get better, not how to do whatever. Seek out the success stories of people that have gone through what you've gone through and overcome it. Understand that you can overcome anything that you're facing in life right now. Then after that, you will have the motivation, the inspiration, and the know-how that you're not alone. You'll then be able to follow some type of blueprint, whether it's from a book, a mentor, a doctor, a coach, whoever it might be, to follow that and understand that success is never a straight line. Very, very rarely do we ever get it right the first time, but that doesn't mean you're not on the right path. You'll have some wins and you'll have some lows. But the point is to continue on with the journey, to not give up, and to understand that you will reach your destination. And it's so much sweeter and so much better to fail along the way because it then makes you the person that you are right now. And Melissa, when I had you on my show, you shared your story. And you would not be the brilliant, charismatic, engaging, and educational speaker that you are today had you not go through on, gone through all of the body, the health, the relationship, all of those issues. So remember, you're supposed to wear all of those scars as a badge of honor. It's where you've come from, and it's who you are today. 
So use that as the, as the fuel for your fire and understand that you just don't need to have it all figured out. And you're never going to have it all figured out. So just get started. Get started. Enjoy the process. Enjoy life. And uh, you know, keep living. That's it. So thank you so much for having me on as well. I truly appreciate it. This is always a lot of fun. And honestly, just getting to chat with you every time is, is uh, it's energizing. I love it. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And before we go, how can we serve you? How can I and the listeners serve you today? I'm a massive believer in service. How can we serve you? My biggest thing is to spread this message. I was fortunate enough, nobody, I mean, who knows how, right? But I was fortunate enough to meet a mentor who somehow knew enough many years ago to combine functional medicine with Ayurvedic medicine and taught me what I needed to heal my body, which allowed me then to go on, get my degree, study all over the world, and then share it with others. So what I'm a big believer in is share this podcast. I mean, that's it. Share today's podcast with Melissa and I, with as many people as you can. Listen to the Cabral Concept, my podcast, which comes out every day. Listen to the message and share the message with other people that it can serve. That's the whole point of this is that we're all in this together. I mean, that's it. Like we learn from each other. And so for me, like that's that's fuel for the fire because my core value and my mission is to spread this word that word uh, that the body can heal and, and that everyone can heal. And so again, that that is that's my one thing. I would really appreciate that. Oh, we will definitely do that. Don't you worry about that. And I just wanted to say again, thank you so much for not only this interview, but all the work that you're doing. I am just so grateful that you are so prolific in your creating with your daily podcasts, your books, your work, your one-on-one sessions. And you can feel how passionate you are about this. And you can feel the love that you pour into everything that you do. And I'm so grateful that our paths have crossed and just want to thank you and acknowledge you from the bottom of my heart and can't wait for maybe round three next time. It'll be a lot of fun. Thank you again and keep up the amazing work that you do. Well, I got so much out of today's episode. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire even more people together. And isn't he amazing? Isn't he just a wealth of knowledge and inspiration and wisdom. I just love that man so much. And I'm sure he'll be back on the show again. So if you have any topics or questions you would like me to ask him, send them on over. And don't forget to tell me on social media who else you would like me to have on the show. And for everything that Stephen and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash one. And you can also check out all my other episodes there too. Also, just a reminder that you can now get your hands on my latest book, Open Wide, a radically real guide to deep love, rocking relationships, and soulful sex. And all you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your copy today. And if you head there, you can also access my free open wide video masterclass that Nick and I created just for you. So make sure you go and check that out. It is really juicy. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, 
Head to iTunes and leave me your review. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much again for being here, for wanting to be the best and healthiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from Stephen's wisdom today, please share it with them right now. You can either take a screenshot, you can email it to them, you can share it on your social media or on your stories, or you can text it to them. Do whatever you have got to do to get this into their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is definitely liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.